0: Dr Sean Lang joins me in the studio, our political commentator, and um, first of all, we got that um, that news literally, which I'm sorry, just scrolling back <laughs> quickly. Ambulance response times in England, the worst on record. It's appalling, isn't
1: it? It is. One gets the very strong impression of an NHS um, falling apart at the seams, because wherever you look, whether it's about um, waits outside hospitals, uh, ambulances, of course, trying to get you into, into hospitals, then strikes, nurses on strike, um, trying to get a to hold of a GP. All of this adds up to a, a real headache um, for, for government because um, the message that, you know, the the NH, you know the, the, the Conservatives wrecks our NHS, that sort of thing, it's a very powerful line um, and it's one that cuts through and they've really got to combat that and there isn't a lot of time to do it because, you know, as we know, we're looking at an election next year at some point and for, for something like the NHS memories will be longer than they will be for, uh, for other items. Um, but, you even leaving the political side of it away for one moment um you know this is this is a humanitarian issue which has got to be uh, resolved and coming up with new rules about strikes in order to maintain certain essential services and of course they're making the most of that as, as much as they can is not the answer in the end you've got to actually deal not only with the pay issue but with the structural issues which have clearly produced this this sort of crisis
0: because I mean, there's going to be a legal challenge by the unions, isn't there, even if they got it through the law. Oh,
1: yeah, absolutely, yes, because um, you know, essentially what you're doing is... no admittedly, there are, there's a case to be heard, and this is no doubt will be heard in, in any legal challenge, but um, essentially what you're doing is that some people will not have the right to strike, um, because if you say that there has to be... You know, some people... It's, it's not without precedent. The police don't have the right to strike. The um, armed services don't have the right to strike. Um, so, you know, it's, it's not without precedent, but that is... Let's be quite clear about it. If you say there has to be... You have to maintain... Um, a minimum service by law, rather than a union deciding to do that on its own, you know, out of its own goodwill, yep. as it were, then you are in effect taking away the right to strike for some of those union members, um, and that does raise raise legal issues. So yes, I'm quite sure this would be this would be challenged and tried out in the courts.
0: And it does seem to be something of a postcode lottery because there's some areas of the country doing it and some not doing. Yes,
1: it. yes, exactly. Um, but the, presumably, if you you know do it by law, then um, you know everyone would have to do it. But you're moving into what well, seems to me. Like like you're moving into a big distraction because it's become then it's become an issue of union rights rather than about um, not only maintaining some sort of minimal skeleton service in the health service, but actually trying to address the, as I say, the structural issues which uh, which are causing the crisis in the health service in the first place. And I think most people would say that, not union rights, is is what this ought to be about.
0: And I think as well, most people can see both sides of the argument. Mm. I mean, the government we've just come out of a pandemic. Yeah. The, the, there is no money, but at the same time they have to find it somewhere.
1: Yes, and what makes it harder for Rishi Sunak is that um, so much of this depends on image. And what I'm getting at there is the clapping. Um, because it's so easy now to think back only a couple of years to when we were all making such a big thing and clapping all the health service um, workers. And of course the obvious thing is, well, claps are all very well, but you know, a living wage would be better. Yes. Um, and that, again, is but a very simple don't message. Claps pay the mortgage, Claps do they? don't pay the mortgage. It's a very simple message, but because it's very simple it does cut through, and you know, so much of what we're talking about is round the edges of that central issue, which is about funding um, for the health service. Which, of course, then leads you into the whole issue of taxation, which is always a, a sort of toxic one for the for the Conservatives. So it seems to me this is the, I would have thought for him, the the absolutely number one issue that must be resolved. And at the moment, as far as we can see, it isn't be.
0: I felt Keir Starmer thought he'd scored a point yesterday by, you know, pointing out that that, that Rishi actually, you know, had had private health care. But then I I heard later that um, Macron in France has four doctors at his (laughs) beck
1: and call. I I think this is a mistake that Labour often make, uh, actually, and they've done it again because they think. That pointing out the poshness of posh people will somehow count against them. And I'm not I'm not sure that it does because uh, there are a lot of people who would love to use private healthcare if they could afford it. Um, but in terms of the principle of it, I'm not sure it carries quite the it's quite you know the dynamite that the Labour think it is. And you do, I mean, remember that you get exactly the same thing about uh, Labour politicians sending their children to private schools, um, not so much going to them themselves, but you know sending their children to one. And I remember, um, oh gosh, I think it was. I don't want to libel someone, but it was a major <laughs> please, please <laughs> so, don't so, so so it was a uh, I don't a, think Jillian, a major female um major female labor um uh, minister i think at the, at the time who was who was you know sent her children to private school and uh and, and you know I remember a number of 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 uh, sort of labor people saying, well actually, I don't blame her you know given the state of schools in Tottenham which i think is where she lived yeah. um and um so so yeah I'm not sure that's quite the political grenade he thinks it is
0: mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Boris Johnson's in trouble again, of course, joking um, that it was the most socially undistanced party in the UK.
1: Yes, and this matters more than m- might at first seem because um, people might have forgotten that he's got this uh, hearing into whether or not he misled the Commons coming up. And if it's found that he did, then effectively that puts pay to any of the talk that we have begun to see in some of the comments um, just this last week about possibly him coming back. I'm not actually convinced that, uh, that he would want to or, or that the Conservative Party would be Quite so uh, unwise as to go through yet another change of leader, but nevertheless the talk is there. So yes, this isn't just um, uh, a sort of uh, a little extra bit of salacious detail of the, in in the partygate story. It's got uh, you know potentially quite you know, quite important political significance. Cambridge
0: 105. Cambridge 105 Radio. It is Steffi Callister with Dr. Sean Lang in the studio. We are talking Harry. What to do about
1: Harry? <laughs> <laughs> what indeed? Or yes. well, rather, what exactly d- does he think he is doing? It's not entirely clear to me. Apart from making a lot of money out of the uh, out of his book, I mean, I know he said something about giving money to charity, but um, yeah, but well, it's certainly charity uh, quite, begins at home. Charity and all does that. indeed. Yes, quite. Uh, he won't be doing any. He won't be doing badly out of it. Um, I mean, the news today. Uh, and of course, we, each day brings something new. And um, and I noticed yesterday he was beginning to row back a bit on his uh, the, the claim about Afghanistan. And well, and he, he was could, blaming uh, it on
0: the British yeah, press, uh, bearing
1: on the, on the British press, saying he was quoted out of context, and what have you. But I'm not quite sure what context you can. I mean, if you say I killed 25 yeah. m- people, and it was like uh, removing pieces from a chessboard. Um, I'm not quite sure how the context is going is to change that that much. Um, and you can't go on using the press and then blaming the press. And that's something which I've noticed in some of the editorials um, about this but what's particularly noticeable is the massive decline in his popularity as a result of all of this um, in all age groups, I mean not just in the people of my age group where you might expect it fact, it was never that high in the first place but among young people who have now sort of not only have they had enough of it but it's again, it's sort of interesting to, to notice that they're noticing that a lot of it is it's just about themselves. So, you know, it, the, the, um, the Meghan Markle thing about race, for example, is not actually about race, it's about her. Yeah. Um, and the other story is the other royals just getting back, and I think, as he was saying in the news, you know, getting back to, um, to duty now um, and going about. And of course, that contrast with, uh, you know, that image and this endless chat show, book launch um, circus that's going on and it doesn't escape people, it's, it's very obvious. I
0: saw him on an American chat show or a clip of it the other night and, you know, he was right back to being the old Harry we knew, the sort of funny, 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 mm. you know, because he talked about there was a, there was two chairs mm. and he was sitting in one and he said oh, a chair and a spare uh-huh, <laughs> uh-huh. and you sort of thought this is what we loved about him yeah. and then the next minute he opens his mouth and he's whinging all over again.
1: Well, this is it you see, and, and it, there have been a lot of uh, people actually in the royal family um, going back, who had enormous popularity. One thinks of the Prince of Wales who became Edward VIII. Uh, enormously popular, particularly in, in, well, in fact, both sides of the Atlantic, in his case. Um, and, uh, oh, oh, indeed, uh, Princess Diana, you know, obviously, is another one. Princess Margaret, another, um, and you can really be carried away by the wave of popularity, but it never gets away from, in a sense, what is that heir and spare thing, which is that you are that you are not the heir to the throne, and so. I think we were saying last week, in the end, that's the only thing that matters. It's, the, it's, a, it's a monarchy, and the relationship is with the monarch and with the direct heir to the throne. That's the relationship that matters, and everything else really is the entertainment value round the edge.
0: And as, as you mentioned, the other royals um, going about their business today, you know, business as usual, showing that it's deeds, not words that, Absolutely. that actually it counts is, yes. with the British public. It for is. Sure. Keep,
1: yeah, keep, keep calm and carry on. And this is why uh, American chat shows, uh, in the end, don't matter. Yeah. what matters. I mean, how, can we imagine such uh, an enthusiastic response? If it British... had gone on
0: Graham Norton. Oh Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, on
1: any, with any sort of British audience. One thing, I mean, I think back to things like David Icke on, on Wogan, you know, where you suddenly find that they're not laughing with you, they're laughing at you. And yeah. I think that would be a sobering thing. But, of course, if he's got any sense, which is a big if, mm-hmm. uh, he wouldn't do it.
0: We'll have to leave it there for this week. Dr Sean Lang, as always, thank you for joining you. us.
1: Cambridge 105 Radio.